0: This week on Not So Famous, we're mixing things up. Uh, when i heard my friend and mentor Charlie had published his new book, The Savvy Singing Actor, I was delighted. When I heard he wanted to join us here on Not So Famous, I was ecstatic. I knew our regularly scheduled program would not work for this one. So from now on, whenever we interview someone who's got the kind of wealth of experience like Charlie here does, it's gonna be called a masterclass. And the questions will be structured just a bit differently, but uh, without further ado, let's jump in with our very first masterclass guest, Charlie Gilbert. Charles Gilbert Jr. is a writer, composer, director, and educator who specializes in musical theater. Currently, a professor of theater arts in the Ira Bryn School of Theater Arts at the University of the Arts. Ooh. Wow, a lot of arts. Uh, in Philadelphia, Gilbert served as director of the Brin School from 2008 to 2013 after heading its musical theater program for nearly 20 years. He then developed the um, savvy system of singing acting and is a founding member of the Musical Theater Educators Alliance and has taught students using this pedagogy in workshops and residencies in America, the United Kingdom, Europe, Australia, and more. He's also a professional director and musical director, and among his works for the musical stage is the 1979 musical Assassins, source of the idea for Stephen Sondheim's Tony Award-winning musical of the same name. Wow, I don't know that I've ever had someone on the show or even met someone with so many accolades, achievements... It's kind of uh, a lot, don't you think? Well, thank you. It
1: sounds like a lot, Mitchell, when you read it all. But I still have to say, I'm not quite famous, and
0: so so I'm still a perfect fit for a, for a podcast like this. Maybe a perfect fit, but um, I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for, I mean, taking the time and for reaching out and wanting to be on the show. Oh, sure, it means Happy to a lot. Be here, um, before we jump in, I know that there's a lot to um, obviously cover. Uh, when we get into the show and start talking about obviously the publishing of your book and and many of these achievements but um i mean just before this we were talking with um your wife darcy the speech diva in her own right um about you know kind of how this rise happened and how we got from point a all the way to point z where we are now and I guess I just want to kind of discuss the beginnings of that um, and specifically, you know, where we're starting out. I know, were you born nearby? Actually yeah, I, outside? I, I grew up in, in
1: Chester County, which is right outside of uh, Philadelphia, maybe about an hour from here, uh, okay. but, but very rural kind of place. Uh, the, the Philadelphia seemed like a very far off place and not really on my consciousness at all when I was a kid.
0: So it was a small town? Like, did you... Well, no, we were... It was the sticks. Okay. like you, know, you know, big yards and trees and nothing around. Seems like, yeah, I mean, a far cry from Philadelphia culture, um, like, tons of, I mean, arts. How did you kind of have that first step into... Um, you know, wanting to be in the arts?
1: Well, I, I, I guess it really was a, a question of, of the teachers that I was exposed to when, when I was young. I, I was uh, lucky that I, I began to study music when I was was very young. I began to take piano when I was six, and so okay. the, the, uh, studied piano all through high school, got interested in, in writing music, uh, went to a high school, Henderson High in Westchester, that had what seemed like a pretty dynamic theater program with a theater director who was uh, maybe one of the first inspirations that I had for for you know uh, making exciting work in the, in the theater, okay. and, and a choral music program and a jazz band, and I was able to do a lot of things in high school that really began to get me fired up in the direction that I'm pointed now.
0: Awesome. And so you started piano, you said at six, so parents were pretty supportive then of this absolutely i've been really
1: fortunate that through this this journey my my parents were supportive uh and uh, at times when i really seemed bent on pursuing a life in the arts they
0: never tried to talk me out of it that
1: would so god bless them
0: for that yeah seriously even the most supportive parents i've heard i mean parents that are in the arts are like please no don't do what I do so that's impressive to hear that they you know never tried to talk you out of it
1: yeah I think they were you know be you know be practical about it and mm-hmm. and uh, my father was a, was an entrepreneur he started his own business okay uh, when I was in high school and so I kind of got a little bit of that entrepreneurial gene from him so it was it was yes I, I'm interested in being in the arts but I'm I'm trying to figure out how to how how to make a life of that, or yeah, to, I mean how
0: to make a project of that. So you know, it was never just oh, you know, this will take care of itself. I was going to say, and I'm sure that they felt confident after you know having those conversations with you that it wasn't just going to be something, some flight of fancy or something, just to that I'm really passionate about, but I have no idea how to make it happen. Although I have to say there
1: were there were plenty of years, you know, through through college and, and grad school and even the first few years after grad school, I was, you know, let's say it's like driving at night with the headlights on. You can see like... Five 20, feet in front of you. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of, you know, carrying on. I have no idea where any of this is going to lead. And, and, and I had a couple of lucky breaks along the way um, that really made a big difference. But... Uh, uh,
0: no, nobody said no, and, and I'm grateful for that. But maybe I've heard that from you—that saying of seeing, you know, five feet or twenty feet in front of you with the headlights on. But you can make a cross-country trip like that. Oh you, yeah, you can leave. You,
1: you can live a whole life that way, and you can do a <laughs> lot of it. exciting stuff. But there's there's you know never really a sense of like I know where I'm going. You know, I, I still don't know exactly where, yeah. where I'm going. You know, and I you know, am you know, in, in in my sixties now, but I'm still you know just you know, on the road
0: hey that's okay yeah um so you mentioned college and um grad school so i want to jump in you went for um your b.a at university of delaware Mm -hmm. is that for musical theater or for well
1: this was this was in the early 70s and at that point uh musical theater as a as a course of undergraduate study didn't really exist sure uh that would that's a more recent phenomenon that 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 there are now hundreds of programs where you can get a bachelor's degree in musical theater but in the early 70s Not so much. I started undergraduate school as an English major, actually, but uh, within a matter of the first few days, I like met the people in the drama, student drama group. And I thought, these are my people. This is my tribe. This is where I where I belong. Uh, So I was hanging around the theater school, but I still had this musical side to me Mm -hmm. uh, that I was in. I didn't want to let that go. Uh, and and uh, they had an option there where you could essentially do a self-designed major. So I said, I'm going to take some, you know, some theater and some music uh, classes. I was able to do some projects. I wrote a children's musical. I conducted an opera. I did, you know, I directed a one-act opera. So I had some really interesting opportunities because... Wow. Uh, because it was really not a you know, territory that anybody
0: was, was crowding into, I was making my own way through that school. And do you feel like creating that program kind of for yourself maybe led to, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but maybe led to um, your work on University of the Arts' uh, musical theater program? Well, that was certainly, that? certainly one of the things. Yeah, was you know, figuring out if you're going to be in the
1: musical theater, what's the combination of experiences and ingredients that uh, that uh, an undergraduate uh, Artist wants to have mm-hmm. so I got to figure that out for myself uh, as, as an undergrad, and I was in a school where people said, "Oh, this guy's got some initiative. Let's let's back that." Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, that was certainly one of the, one of the one of the early examples
0: of figuring that out. And you said the the music, you know, had kind of stayed with you. Was that just from like piano? You kept up with that throughout um high school before college and or had you had any like real defining moment with music where you were like this is i i cannot let this go well i, I mean I, I i loved to play i
1: still love to play i mean we're sitting across the room from my piano here in the in the, in the living room oh so, i so, know so the piano is is a, is a part <laughs> of my uh, of, of my daily life still and i yeah. uh, and I, so i was uh, you know at, at, at a party or, or that, you know, that kind of thing, I would that would I'd be the one who'd gravitate towards the piano. Um, but I'm, then, I don't know, I'm yeah. going
0: to entertain you now, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm sure that I was insufferable. <laughs> no, 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 that way. Everybody, we have to have that person, otherwise, there's yeah. it's not a good dinner party, it's yeah. not a good get together. Well, that's awesome. Um, so then why the big switch to. Because it was directing immediately after that at Carnegie Mellon, which is an achievement in and of itself. Carnegie Mellon, certainly. I don't know what was it like during the. Now it's the late seventies, right? Yeah, mid seventies. I was at Carnegie Mellon from seventy five um, to to seventy
1: seven. I just I discovered directing. Uh, like in, in the second half of my undergraduate career, I think I really thought I was going to be a singing actor or, you know, like I was going to be a guy who performed in musicals. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, and and certainly I I did that. Um, I was in uh, musicals like Company and Dames at Sea and Guys and Dolls and, and so on. And I don't know whether I was, uh, I, I don't know whether I was very good or not, but I was eager, but I got, I got, tired of other people telling me what to do and I was always like you know being the one who's on the sidelines saying you know being the second guessing everybody saying oh it really shouldn't be that maybe it should be this instead Uh and so I when I I had a chance to take a directing class and then direct a one-act play I got really excited about that Mm -hmm. I thought you know because that was really showed a, a path to how you could make your own work and like i say as a, as a as a dean scholar in the, in this design your own program uh, uh, design your own major program that i was in i had the chance to do some projects so i would say hey let's you know let's do an opera hey uh-huh. let's write I'll a musical direct it. you know and 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 so that idea of initiating something and then following it through to the end a project that's been a something that that continues to be the kind of the rhythm of uh, mm-hmm. uh of my artistic life you know mm-hmm. think up a project say hey nobody else is doing this so I'll do that and directing was was my well, I thought was my uh, vehicle for doing that so truth truth be told I was a little bit clueless still as a as a senior undergrad I was, <laughs> I, I was very young that's another thing that I, I have to re- remind myself if I started uh uh, my uh, undergraduate school when I was 16 years old
0: oh my god and
1: so I was 20 years old when I graduated with my BA and I'm still kind of like well I don't know I'm, I'm not, re- not done with school yet or I'm not ready to go be you know uh, something other than a student so I guess I'll right. go to grad school uh, <laughs> applied kind of haphazardly to Yale and Carnegie Mellon didn't get into Yale uh, got on the wait list for Carnegie Mellon and then I guess somebody dropped off the wait list or dropped off and I got on from the wait list in the in the summer. So suddenly at twenty one Destiny dropped yeah, off you know, the wait I, list yeah, and I <laughs> found I found myself going to a, to a Carnegie Mellon um, and I thought, well, you know, I thought, well, this is all right. I mean, I really, I didn't know how I, how lucky I was until, sure. uh, you know, until later on looking back on it. But it was, it was a great experience. I had great uh, classmates, some of whom are still friends of mine. I had great teachers. Again, some of those have been lifelong uh, friends and, and mentors. And uh, it's been a great, exp- it was a great experience at Carnegie
0: Mellon. Yeah. So for, I mean, I love that first of all the fact that you're. All the way through your undergraduate career career, and you're like, I still don't kind of know, maybe I want to do this. I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot under my belt and I want to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's something that we, I mean, as artists generally and certainly younger artists, I have a tendency to doubt themselves and say, I don't really know what I'm doing or what I necessarily want, or I know I want this piece and this piece, but I don't know how they fit together yet. Mm-hmm. And then we don't know how to forge our own paths or we second guess and doubt that our paths are viable. Yeah. So I think it's inspiring to hear, you know, knowing what we know now, 40 years later. Um, that you were still in that place, even someone who graduated early and young and was obviously exceptionally skilled and driven, right. still had that kind of doubt in their mind. I, I always remember that teaching undergraduates now that you know that being
1: unclear not fully cooked as far as where you're going is really just comes with the territory when, when you're an undergraduate so yeah kind of we, the point right yeah you, know, you know we tend to think you know uh, nowadays with the BFA it's it, it, sometimes we think of it a bit like trade school like you're gonna we're gonna polish you up and shoot you out like a rocket into the industry <laughs> right but in fact for a lot of people this my, my story of undergraduate school was you know uh, Kind of going in all sorts of different directions, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then kind of stumbling into graduate school uh, again with the support of my parents, who said, "Sure, we'll uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll co-sign the student loan papers with you." Okay, a little bit more timidly yeah. now. Yeah. or
0: Still, just as supportive.
1: Of- no, no that they, they were they were fine with that. You know, um, it was it was less expensive then, sure, than it was now, but it's still, you know it still seemed
0: like a lot of money and with your credentials coming out of undergrad i'm sure that there were ways to finance and and scholarships and things like that i
1: had i had a little bit of a scholarship
0: but a lot of student loans so not that different from from nowadays fair um so then you i mean so then at the end of your undergraduate you kind of start getting into directing and you're like yeah i'm i'm you know noticing myself do this um thing where i'm sort of coming up with the play yeah. in my mind. Um, is that, I mean, leading into, you know, trying to pursue that, is that more about the control of like, I want to start this project and finish this project and have it all be my vision. Or is it about um, like the collaboration or the unique ideas that you want to share with um, others or a mixture of both? I think it really is a, <clears throat> a mixture of, a uh, of both.
1: I mean, I'm a, I, as, as I say, a little bit of a creative entrepreneur. And yeah. I, I like that idea. It's like, oh, well, nobody's done that yet. And wouldn't that be cool if we could do that? Um, and then kind of following that through and seeing where that uh, where that leads. So the idea of making, making new work and making something kind of from the beginning without having a boss or a, somebody... Mm-hmm in charge of you saying this is what we're going to do now that really was and remains one of my favorite things
0: interesting yeah no i the only reason i ask is because i definitely have had a similar moment where at the end of undergraduate i was like oh my i'm just tired of taking orders essentially yeah. and i want to be able to share an idea and have it be tried mm-hmm. in front of me to see if it's shit or mm-hmm. not Yeah, um, to throw something against the wall and not just be like, Hey, I think maybe this idea would be good and mm-hmm. have the director say, no, I, am that's not really in line with what I'm looking at. Yeah. So I, I, I was just interested to see. Um, so then after Carnegie Mellon, pretty shortly, it's like 1977, right? Yeah. Um, what were those first years out of grad school? Like, um, now that you've had, like, were there any transformative experiences, I guess, during grad school where you were thinking, oh, I need to start composing my own music or I really want to start at the, uh, you know, genesis of the idea, have the inception of, oh, I, I want it to be this musical. I want the lyrics and music to be this. Then I want to direct it. Then I want to produce it. Well, I, I had the experience at Carnegie Mellon
1: of of writing uh Music for the the Scotch and Soda Show. Uh, Carnegie Mellon has a tradition of student-written musicals. Uh-huh. Um, the most famous one of those is probably Pippin. Stephen Schwartz's Pippin was a Scotch and Soda musical first. Wow! Uh, and and, and uh, so I had the a chance to, to do that, to compose music and and uh, for a musical that was produced while I was uh, in my in my second year of grad school. Um, but even more significant than that was, I, I made f- uh, best friends with a fellow named Bill Turner, who was a, a, a senior undergrad, who was kind of like me. We were really similar in that we were both people who directed musicals, but also composed music. And were okay. also interested in, in creating our own work. Uh, and so we became good friends. He started a, a theater company with a couple of my other classmates and hired me, gave me my first job right out of uh, graduate school to be the staff music director for this theater company called Theater Express. And it was, and and, and we were really just, again, it was like super entrepreneurial, making our, making our own work, making experimental theater. And somehow they'd figured out a way to put together a board and raise money so that we were actually, you know, getting a, a small weekly salary to create uh, experimental music theater in, in Pittsburgh in in, wow. in the in the late '70s. I mean,
0: imagine that. It just sounds too good to be true. Even as as I talk about it now, it does. But also that there is something that it is just about kind of that inception of the idea. Like you'll figure out the um, minutiae and logistics as you go if you have a determined path and you're right. surrounding yourself with those creative individuals that obviously have similar mindsets to your own. And I also think there's something important about you being entrepreneurial, but also um, you know a composer, a director, someone with a performing background. You're immersing yourself not in only you know like you're saying uh, with undergrad, like shining off a little rock and then sending it out into the world. Uh, you know, having acquired one trade, right. but um, being a multi-dimensional performer creator. Businessman, right, um, and then surrounding yourself with men and women of the same ilk. Yeah,
1: well, I've always, i've you know, it's it's always been kind of hard to define what I do because it because like you say, I'm I'm, I'm a multidisciplinary person. The term I use is polymath. You know, as I was, mm-hmm. kind of it's like I speak a lot of languages and I kind of live you know live in a lot of different places. But seeing somebody. Like Bill Turner, my my friend in, in, at, at Carnegie Mellon, do the same thing, mm-hmm. and kind of real really affirmed for me. Yes, that's possible. And so he, he had. Uh, uh, an amazing kind of uh, charisma and, and confidence and so he would say oh we're gonna i'm gonna write an opera about vampires and so you wouldn't you know then uh, a year later there was his uh, vampire opera you're and- like yeah we yeah. are gonna write that <laughs> yes. yeah let's do it yeah i love that right and so i mean and most significantly i said to bill one day hey i have this idea for a musical about assassins because uh, I had just read a, a, a book of like short biographies of presidential assassins and he said uh, well okay you, you know write, write, a, <laughs> write a treatment and we'll, and we'll do it we just did the vampire yeah. one assassins would be perfect yeah I mean <laughs> I, it, it was uh, we we did work uh, based on the Marquis de Sade we did Sam Shepard plays I mean we did crazy stuff in, in, in that it, it was it was a pretty edgy uh, repertory that we were doing with that great theater express yeah
0: i want to take a time machine hit that company yeah late 70s that sounds like a dream so you start this idea you broach this topic what happens do you you take however many months to write this musical or come up with the idea I've, i've heard this story a couple of times uh maybe a little bit later down the road getting a certain intimidating letter from mr sondheim but what what did that kind of Picture look like from Inception talking to Bill.
1: Yeah, well, well, Sondheim didn't show up in the picture till years later. At this point, it was Bill and I, uh, you know, over a bong hit or a ten, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to dream this thing up. And I was interested in a kind of um, a documentary theater, collage theater. Some of the stuff that I was seeing that was exciting for me was uh-huh. based on found uh, found materials. So I was like taking. Poems and interviews with presidential assassins and using them as as you know found objects in in this. Uh, I had seen uh, Pacific Overtures, the, which is uh, uh-huh. Sondheim's musical that he wrote with John Weidman about the Westernization of Japan, and I, so I was interested in how history kind of becomes storytelling. Um, there were, I mean, there were all kinds of influences that were uh, in in play there, but. Uh, I you know I I wrote a draft and we would talk and then I wrote another draft and we would talk some more and uh, we did a workshop and uh, you know then eventually he said well we're going to put this in our season next year, so we actually uh, produced it. It was part of Theater Express's season in uh,
0: January of 1979. Wow. Okay, so this is now two years out of grad school, mm. and you have fully written a musical. Um, workshopped it and are now. I mean, did you end up directing it? Or? No, Bill directed it. Okay, Bill, he, was, he was the
1: artistic director of the company, so he
0: he directed it. I was at the piano. I was the music director. Okay, and what was that like for you? I mean, so I've been out of school for more than two years, and I haven't written a musical and put yeah. it on. That must have been kind of crazy. Oh, it
1: was it, it was super exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was it was super exciting. I I, I loved that. I love that process and you know it it was part of a season so we were doing that that sort of thing all, all the, time. the time you know Bill was at the same time writing an opera of his own about Gertrude Stein and we were doing other work as well and we were you know we we uh, we converted an old tire warehouse in Pittsburgh into a theater so we were like doing construction work oh my gosh. as well and you know this is what
0: you do when you're when you're I guess young and don't n-
1: nobody says no to you
0: well, and also this is why, I mean, the theater has been quote-unquote dying for 3,000 years because we just won't give it up. I mean, yeah. you'll literally do the construction work and put on yeah, your we're musical... Yeah, we're
1: going to sandblast the walls in the <laughs> morning and then we're going to rehearse the opera in the afternoon. Right, <laughs> and
0: then you'll have a brief writing session. We'll call that your break and yeah. then we'll move on. Crazy. That is crazy. So then, uh, you, pre- I mean, it happens as part of your season and then what's next for that when... I mean, when does Sondheim enter the picture, does the musical kind of take a back seat for a little while? Uh, it does. Well, I mean, um,
1: my my life kind of took a surprising turn after 1979 because uh, I got offered a job to come back and teach at my alma mater at the University of Delaware. Oh, wow. Um, one of my professors came out and saw Assassins, because, you know, somebody who had, who had they, they thought highly of me and had uh-huh. kind of kept in touch with me. They had a job at the University of Delaware, which was for somebody to direct the school musical and teach some classes. And they thought, um, hey, I Charlie, would, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I showed promise, B- bless their hearts for, for seeing that in me, because uh, I mean, again, now from my vantage point, now I look back at that and I think, well, who gets that kind of a of a lucky
0: break? Well, I don't know how lucky. I mean, you had just we just went through, I mean, how much hard work you had put into creating this musical. And I mean, it's also kind of circuitous to what we were talking about earlier, like this root of you invested in your teachers and they invested in you. And now they come back to, uh, you know, help you along your way again and and vouch for you in, in critical places. I'm sure that felt immensely satisfying.
1: It, it, it was great. I was I was super excited about that, and I was 25 years old, so I was still really, really young, too young maybe to know what I was getting into or to be scared about what I was doing. Um, Did I, you ever think about teaching as like an option? It was it was funny. I re- I really hadn't. Okay. I really hadn't, but uh, suddenly it seemed like. Uh, the idea of a steady gig and health insurance and you know forget and, about it yeah it, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it, it was all just like too good too good to be true and, yeah and uh, so so I, I began my my career as a as an assistant professor at the University of Delaware in in 1979 uh, uh, teaching uh, acting classes and directing classes and musical theater classes and then directing wow. musical theater productions. And uh, moved back to uh, to Delaware uh, along with my girlfriend at the time, the beautiful Darcy Webb, who I had met <laughs> while I was uh, working at theater Express. Um, and at that point we were you know, we, you know we were in a relationship, but we weren't married. But she said, "Yeah, I'll come along for this ride." And uh, and now it's been forty years. that's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well she and I have been uh, together, you know. As, as, as husband and wife for 39
0: of those years anyway. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. That's pretty exceptional. And how does that, I mean, I, I know Darcy and love Darcy and know your um, relationship and have had great experiences with you both, but how was it feeling um, a partner, like having having that person to say, yeah, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to jump in and so wholeheartedly um, support you and continue to support you now for 40 years i mean that has also just been like kind of a, a stepping stone of your parents never saying no and then yeah. your partner really being there it's to support been a tr- you a tremendous gift Tre- yeah. just
1: yeah, un- unbelievably uh important to me the, the, the role that that's played you know darcy and i met uh, she came to see uh the workshop of assassins wow uh, and and uh didn't run screaming, you know, uh, run away after that. So I give her a lot of credit for, uh, you know, having a, uh, being adventurous and uh, through all of the crazy stuff that I've done has been a tremendous uh, uh,
0: fan, number one fan and supporter. So I'm very fortunate that way. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you guys moved to Delaware and you start teaching. How long do you teach at the University of Delaware? I was there for 6 years. Wow, I was okay. I was
1: there long enough. I mean, 6 years is kind of the for a junior faculty member, it's the time period you have where you either have to go up for promotion uh-huh. or move on. So I had 6 years to kind of prove myself uh, and 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 earn promotion to associate professor and uh, I, I I so I was I was doing more writing and and I actually sent uh, assassins out um during that time period, I sent it out trying to um, see if I could get somebody interested in that, but it, it, it didn't really seem to be going anywhere. So I wrote, hmm. I wrote another musical. Um, I, I tried to get involved with the, uh, uh, the local, uh, in Wilmington, Delaware, the Delaware Theater Company was just getting started as an equity theater and started to get involved there. In Philadelphia, the uh, American Music Theater Festival was just getting organized, just getting started. What became the okay. Prince Music Theater, and I and so I had, uh, you know, uh, some meetings with them and some initial discussions with them. But I, I'll tell you, in in six years, I, I really wasn't, I wasn't ready to get promoted at that point. I didn't. <laughs> I applied for promotion. I didn't get it. I was kind of in my last year of my contract there. And then um, again, fate kind of called in the form of uh, Syracuse University. Another another school offered me the job of, as head of music theater uh, at Syracuse University. So I left Delaware, Darcy and I left Delaware with our, with our infant son and moved to Syracuse, New York for what I thought was going to be the Kind of the great next step of my career, mm-hmm. and it was a disaster. Oh right? my gosh! I was fired from that job <gasps> after my first year. <laughs> and I so- haven't heard this story. Oh what? no! This is the end There, there, You'll hear all of all of the gory details now, but uh, yeah. So I had a big failure uh, at that point in like nineteen. Uh, so this would have been nineteen eighty six. Okay. Something. I had um, a young family and no yeah. job and. Uh, and, and so there was a big crisis at that point in, in, in our lives. Sure. I mean, the, the good news, the happy ending of that story is it, I came out of that a period of a couple of years uh, working as a you know, an adjunct faculty member at UArts. Okay. Uh, you know, met some people in Philly that led me to UArts, that led me to the place where I've been now for the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, but I spent a couple of years freelancing doing corporate theater, doing uh, public relations writing, doing whatever I could to, you know, to put uh, bread on the, in, in the, on the table. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, it was scary. I, I bet. I mean, everybody has um, highs and lows, but um, especially like, I mean, was there anything that you just, anything that led to like getting fired or was it just not a good fit? It was
1: not a good fit. It was the politics of the place were really messed messed up. There was Uh. a uh, the chairman there was a a sort of tyrant um, and I didn't I didn't know enough to read the signals when I was there for my, for my interview that it was going to be a difficult place. Sure. And I didn't know. And I, I I still have trouble with this. They they use a term where they talk about manage up, how to relate, how to create relationships with your bosses and your bosses, bosses, Uh uh, to, uh, kind of get along I I was often I'm sure a little more outspoken than they would like or a little too you know, kind of sure that my way was the best way yeah and so we had we I mean we had a couple of places where uh we didn't agree on stuff and then I was being told well he's not a team player and you know so it was it was politics yeah and personalities and it had nothing to do with you know Theater ability or yeah. ability
0: but but it just had a lot to do with power and politics so, which yeah. is not something you want so probably a good thing that you didn't succumb to that well and, and, and plus syracuse
1: was cold it was i mean it was the the, the climate and also <laughs> the the people there it was not it was not a great place for us it was a bad year and we were well did well to come back and to, to philly and to try and regroup and figure out what to do next so this is the first time you actually come back To Philly and and live here properly? Okay. Yeah. We came back and lived in in my dad's house and, uh, you know, tried to figure out, you know, from from the pieces what we were going to do to support ourselves Uh and and
0: move forward. And uh, you said you met some friends and they kind of invited you to maybe adjunct... Teach at University of the Arts.
1: Yeah, I was doing some 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 marketing and PR work, and then I met somebody who had an agency here in Philly, a woman mm-hmm. named Vicky Solot, and they were doing marketing and PR, but also producing special events. And then okay. they produced a theater festival, and so we were actually doing theater out of a kind of public relations agency. Okay. And her husband uh, Evan Solot, was the, uh, the the jazz uh, an alum of of um, the Philadelphia Musical Academy, okay. and and now a faculty member at the University of the Arts. Again, doing musicals. We wrote some songs together. We did a show together. And then he said, "You should meet the the dean at UArts because he's interested in starting a musical theater program." So and that was like the... music, quite literally, to your ears. Yeah, that that really sounded like a you know an amazing thing, but the even more amazing was that it panned out, you know, know, one, you know, one thing led to another and eventually I was teaching a class and then I was a consultant and I was designing a curriculum. And so the experiences that I had at Syracuse and at Delaware and at Carnegie Mellon kind of all came into play Mm -hmm. for me to design this musical theater program
0: and launch it uh, in the early nineties. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then you basically, I mean, have obviously been uh, at University of the Arts ever since, but have been um, defining, I I would say, that program, building that program, made it what it is, um, I would argue, changed the landscape of musical theater programs in the country, and, I mean, we talked about how in the early 70s and and late 70s, it it wasn't really a thing. Right. And so you, from your experiences, have crafted, um, you know, this program... How was designing that? Like, what did you? I mean, who were you talking to during this? And how long did it take to design this curriculum that kind of became what it is? Or did you pick a couple of things and then?
1: Well, it it happened pretty quick, and I mean, I drew on the what what I knew about what had worked and what didn't work at Syracuse, and also what was what was possible, you know, at the University of the Arts, given the landscape there, uh, the you know the personnel that were in place, the courses that existed you know, part of the challenge was to design something that could kind of fit with what was already being offered there mm-hmm. uh, at the University of the Arts. And, and and at that time, in the late 80s and early 90s, there were still not a lot of templates for this. So mm-hmm. Syracuse University was, again, one of the early schools to have a BFA in musical theater um uh, musical theater, and okay. uh, And when we created the program at UArts, it was probably still in the first dozen or 20, you know, programs to be created in the country. So those were the early days. And nobody was really talking to each other. No, of course Uh, not. uh, You know, in the different programs, it was definitely pre-internet. So getting information on each other's programs was even a, a hard thing to do. Yeah. So we, you know, we made some decisions at UArts based on the people there and what was possible there and what I had experienced at, at Syracuse and so on. And then once we got underway, we kept refining it. We would do it and we would say, oh, well, that didn't work. We need to change that. And we'd go back and modify it or we'd, you know, and gradually build up a, a faculty team and uh, build up a, a, a reputation over those first,
0: you know, 10 years of, of doing that in, yeah. in the 90s. But I'm starting to see a trend of um, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, and then kind of that entrepreneurial spirit that we've talked about, weeding out what's not working, finding what is, seeing a space, trying to fill it, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, collecting ideas from your time uh, at all these different places and seeing, you know, kind of a system start to form of um, ideas, um, practical approaches, what needs to be in place. Um, I think that you were uniquely qualified to be able to start that and to be able to bring all of those people together. And it's a hard thing. I mean, you talk about it pretty simply of like, well, we just needed to tap the resources that were already there. But I think that that kind of um, through vision, um, if you will, is pretty rare. It's hard to see, you know, all those kind of melding pieces and say, well, I'll just take this, this and this, put them together and you know a magic potion will come out of it yeah
1: well it be- because i had that the peculiar sort of polymathic background because mm-hmm. i spoke the language of music and i could go and i could talk music to the music faculty and theater to the theater faculty and i had and had written musicals and produced uh-huh. musicals and and i and i knew the folks at the at what was then called the American Music Theater Festival and kind of what was going on professionally in music theater in uh-huh. in, in, in Philly i did have a lot of a, a lot of pieces in, in that I was able to pull together and and it, it made me kind of,
0: you know, I was the right guy at the in, there at the right time to do that. Yeah. And I know you're like so humble, but at what time do you start maybe considering yourself like, okay, I can do this, right? Like 20 years before we're thinking like, I have no idea what I'm doing really. I don't know if I'm qualified to do this. At what point do you feel like, I've been doing this for a while and I'm pretty damn good at it despite my setbacks. Yeah. Is that happening around now or are you still like flying by the seat of your pants in your mind? Well, um,
1: I, I guess I, I was pretty certain maybe after uh, assassins that I was kind of the next, you know, the next big thing in the American musical theater. Okay. So, uh, I, I, I was pretty, uh, pretty excited a, a, about that. And, uh, at at Syracuse University certainly I was I, I had a vision about, about about what a musical theater program could be mm-hmm. so I so uh... But then that, then that didn't work out at Syracuse. So it was a little bit of a setback. So I, I would say it, it really came on gradually. There was never a point where I'm like, I've got this. Right. Hey, I've got this. Well, and
0: you said, because we totally kind of lost it about um, Assassins, you said there were a couple of years you were sending it out and nothing was happening. When during all of this is like the, I mean... Sondheim, and then like the Broadway um, production, and all of that happening. Well,
1: well, Sondheim happened like during those dark years of unemployment okay. when, when I was between um, between full time positions in the okay. late in the late eighties. I remember I was I was adjuncting at Temple University and working, you know, writing uh, press releases, and, and and I got a letter in the mailbox one day. <sighs> From the man himself, Ugh. from Steven Sondheim, saying, "What, what, what's you know, whatever happened to that assassin's musical of yours?" I read it. I had, I had submitted it for a project where um, a producer was trying to match up young writers with mentors.
0: Okay,
1: uh, and so I was one of the young writers, and I didn't know it, but he was one of the mentors, and he had read my Ugh. my stuff <laughs> and kind of filed it away, again unbeknownst to me, and then had his assistant track me down. And because I was on the faculty at Temple University at the time, they were able to locate me there, Jeez. and uh, and send me a letter. So that yeah, you know, that happened. You know, this again. I'm going to say like '87 maybe, um, and
0: uh, I would have shit my pants, Charlie. Well, I, would have...
1: <laughs> I I did my version of that to be to be sure. It was it was pretty amazing, um, and and I wrote back and I said uh, you know he wanted to write a musical based on that idea and so I wrote, I wrote back and, and said sure we should work on it together I thought well, why not you know because if you get uh, nobody else is going to yeah. propose me if I don't propose myself All
0: right. this old um, thing
1: yeah. let me help you yeah let <laughs> me help you with that I got some ideas about that but he called and he called me up at that point and I, and I can still picture you know, uh, talking to him on the on the the wall phone in in my kitchen. After a while, I just finished drying the dishes and talking to him about how he was gonna. He really appreciated my offer, but he was gonna work with this guy named John Weidman, and maybe I had heard of him. And you know, and. Uh, <laughs> We, you know, they were going to do some some writing and kind of see whether it, you know, it, it seemed promising or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I did actually, you know, speak to him on the on the phone in my kitchen in Wilmington, uh, and uh, then the lawyers got involved and you know drew up a, a agreements for that and it and it went forward. Okay. So I think that was another reason why, you know, that was all kind of coming together. Assassins opened uh, off Broadway in the in um, December of 1990 and the uh, sp- spring of 91, okay. January of 91, um, and I, that was my first year at UArts. Again, mm-hmm. so th- really things were really kind of coming together at yeah. that point, and and, and uh, the uh, the creation of of Assassins, uh, Sondheim and Weidman's Assassins, gave me a kind of credibility. You arts sure, and then a couple of years later in 1992, I think it was, I was able to direct Assassins, Sondheim and Weidman's Assassins, uh, for a, a small professional company in Philly, and again that was a production that kind of made a big splash in the in the Philadelphia theater scene. Well, I bet not and, not often is yeah. there
0: a musical you know conceived of or the idea based on the man that is now directing it in Philly. Yeah. So that, that And so there again, that was
1: also uh, really helped feed into the, the momentum of, uh, of, of the program as it was emerging at UArts.
0: So what did it feel like to direct that production?
1: Oh, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, and... Uh, you know, there, there are still people who, who remember that. Darcy was in that production. Neil Hartley was in that production. Uh, Bill Buddendorf, you know, is yeah. now a colleague of mine, but a, a student at the time. Bill was in that production. And uh, it was great. It was, it was a very, uh, you know, a, really a, a feeling of, of things coming, coming together and coming full circle and uh, very, very rewarding.
0: You're always so incredibly positive about um, everything that kind of comes your way. So I'm not surprised. I just um, wanted to ask. but um, So then where the hell in this do you find the time to create um, the Musical Theater Educators Alliance? Where does that come from? Well, um, I was friends with
1: with one of my graduate school classmates. uh, Carrie Libkin was the head of musical theater at Penn State. And in the late 90s, uh, I heard from Carrie who I hadn't heard from for a while, and he said, we're getting together uh, some program heads at Penn State for a weekend to talk about whether we can start uh, an organization for musical theater programs. Are you interested in being part of that conversation? Right, so, to so, kind of coordinate all of these programs that are you know, burgeoning right, in
0: the United States.
1: Right. So it was me okay. and Carrie and... Uh, uh, Brent Wagner who was at that point at the University of Michigan I knew, and I knew Brent because I'd kind of followed on Brent's heels in when I came to Syracuse okay Hal Herman from Shenandoah a couple of other people who were like the kind of the big names in you know run, running musical theater programs in the. US in the late 90s and we and we started this thing you know, it's been now 20 years since we started that. Ooh um you know just in a, on a weekend at in Penn State and now it's grown to an organization with hundreds of members and schools all over the world and you know yeah. and, and amazing these amazing annual conferences where people get together and uh, and we, we really you can sense just how that
0: field has has grown and and matured since then right no, and I mean, there's so many, I think it is just we keep talking about how you come back and then there's, you know, another achievement in your list, but it's really just a connection that you started many years ago, and you just happened to um, kind of continue to pursue that thing that made you uniquely you, and one thing led to another, and you were... You know, not only in the right place at the right time, but also had the right credentials, had the right experience. Um, I mean, it's incredible. So then, I mean, now that we're getting into kind of your current teaching career, I know that was like a trip down memory lane. Um, But I I think it's important to talk about because, um, you know, it really is these little connections that we make day to day. And these um, little conversations that we have, these ideas that really become you know, great pinpoints in our life when we think back about it. But like you're saying, the fact that that memory of talking to Sondheim is connected with you drying the dishes during this like dry spell in your career when you're like, what am I doing? Right. What's happening? It, it reminds us that we're all human and that we all have these moments and ups and downs. And there's even a, I don't want to say greater design to it, but something that's really poetic about coming back to that and revisiting. Um, so then I mean we've talked about this already but you published a book recently and you've devised this system the savvy system mm-hmm. of singing acting um, what I mean kind of starts that I know we, we were talking before we started rolling about how people were kind of seeing these exercises at uh, MTEA workshops and um, thespian society workshops you're traveling, you're teaching, you're talking to other educators mm-hmm. People are asking, when are you going to write the book on that? Is that 20 years ago, 10 years ago? Well, I, I,
1: as a teacher, I have a kind of tinkerer's mentality. I like to, to use the classroom as a, as a laboratory. It's like, what mm-hmm. would happen if we tried this or, or that? And, and, and particularly in the field of musical theater, performance training there was no real tried and true um method certainly when i started doing this like at, at syracuse in the in the 1980s there was no uh, meisner or stanislavski or, sure. or kind of universally embraced uh, pedagogy for for the training of musical theater performers and uh so I was, I was interested in kind of experimenting in that space. Okay. And uh, I, I read a lot. I borrowed a lot of ideas. Um, I improvised a lot. And eventually started to make... Um, Make some things. I mean, one of the things that as, as an acting teacher that I loved were were uh, Viola Spolin's theater games from her book *Improvisation in the Theater*. Spolin was a was a, used uh, things that were like games and uh, activities in, in that you kind of learned from without really realizing that you uh-huh. what you were learning from it. Sure. And so I started to make some Spolin style. Activities or exercises or or games, but that it that were set to music or that had music involved with them. But I was just in, you know, experimenting in that in that space, and the students seemed to um, be excited about that. Um, I did in, encounter the work of one one teacher who was very influential for me. It was a man named uh, Wesley Bach. Wes was as an author and teacher who was at the University of Minnesota, but had published a couple of books and eventually I met Wes and I had a chance to observe him teach and work with opera singers and uh, later on when I was at U Arts in the early years of the in the 90s in the early years of that program I got him Uh to come to Philadelphia and spend a week with uh, with uh, our students there so he was uh, okay and 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 like me Wes was uh, an experimenter He, he liked to go you know kind of think up something and go into the classroom and try it and see what happened yeah and so these things began to eventually take shape, and I began to present them, or, or you know, uh, in uh, in different conferences and in different settings. I did that, I think, for the first time in in Germany And in 2000. There was a musical theater congress in Germany, and then as MTEA uh, got going, I would begin to sh- I began to share this with some of the other teachers at MTEA and demonstrations and and uh, conference presentations and people were excited about it yeah so this is really um, it's unique it's in- inventive it's uh-huh. not you know uh, and it's creative and effective so you, you you know even at that point they were saying are you going to write the book are you going to you know are you going to Uh, Make this something that we can, that other people can
0: learn how to do this. Are you in your mind, like looking back, like 30 years ago, I didn't even know I was gonna teach, and now I'm supposed to be writing a book on how to teach it to others. Did that ever, like, come into your mind? Did you have that moment of um, doubt again, or are you? Feeling fully empowered in your um, well, I think
1: more of the sense I, I'm just I'm I'm going to keep going with this and see where where it How leads far it gets? because yeah uh, because because people seem to be digging it and okay. it seems to be, you know the students liked it it seemed to be uh, effective in 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 the classroom and uh, it you know it became a little bit of a, of a calling card for me because it was something that nobody else was doing so uh, certainly I I used it with considerable. Uh, it was it was very effective for a lot of years uh, with student my students at UArts. Yeah, um, it's been interesting because now that the the book is out, one of the things that's been happening is that, is I've been hearing from students who studied with me back in the day and uh-huh. are now looking at the book and remembering just how you know how much they got out of those classes, and sure. so it's been really rewarding to hear from people about oh, you know, that class that I took with you 20 years ago, you know, still has, you know, meant so much to me.
0: Yeah. And uh, what was the, I mean, excuse me. I mean, certainly you've been writing this book for, or thinking about, um, you know, this book for a couple of years now, but what was it like kind of going back and compiling um, all of those notes and, um, you know, kind of, Uh, The exercises that you've been doing and all of those things that, oh, yeah, you know, that's a good game or compiling the sheet music. I mean, I've seen you in class in action and it is like... I even thought the very first time when you opened, like, I think it was a binder that you had with all of your sheet music and notes and um, worksheets that you would pass out in between, right? This is homework for next time. Write down these thoughts. It was a very structured system even years ago. um, And I know I'm on the tail end of, you know, receiving some of that instruction, um, what was it like compiling all of that for you? Does it feel nostalgic to put all of that together? Or? Well, some some
1: of it does. Some of it feels nostalgic, but um, I mean, I always feel like I'm still inventing it in a way. Hmm. Kind of, me, you know. Although I think you know, there's a certainly there are lots of boxes full of papers and notes and uh, blog posts and drafts and things that have, that got accumulated over the years. But when it finally came time to to write uh, the book, I really felt in a way like I was, I was making it up all over again. Really? Yeah. There was still a, I I kind of thought, oh, well, this will be easy. I'll just come, you know, gather these various bits and pieces and, and, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) Bing, bang, boom, I got a book. (laughs) Yeah. Word processor, you know, put them together. But, uh, it, it took a while to really wrangle it into shape, and uh, I realized I, I needed uh, an editor. I actually went, I worked through uh, two different editors at two different phases in in the in the process of the book. One person who really helped me envision the structure of it and work okay. out the you know how to how to make it so that it, it it flowed in an organized way, and then towards the end another editor who really helped me just polish the the language of it and, hmm. and get it uh, you know so that it was. Uh, in in the most readable state but it was certainly a uh, it it did feel like the culmination of a uh, of a, a lot of years even at the same time it really felt also like i was kind of
0: reimagining it all over again well and i'm sure it felt like this is the definitive edition it's one thing if it's like your notes in a classroom yeah and you hand out a worksheet and then you know you get it back and you're like eh, maybe i should phrase that differently next time i pass that out but writing a book about it a little yeah. daunting yeah. i'm sure
1: yeah so they it very daunting and the idea then that you're gonna finally you know hit send and send it off oh. to the publisher <laughs> and now people are going to read it and they're going to think what they think and they're going to maybe they're going to love it and maybe they're going to hate on it and you know, they're gonna whatever, it. whatever they're going to think you know it's uh it's kind of out there yeah now so it was one thing when it, when, when there wasn't a book it was easy to think well when i get around to writing this people will
0: really think it's amazing but yeah and the reality of it uh sets in. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's ups and downs to that process as well. And that journey is still evolving. Yeah. Uh, That's, I mean, so exciting. So, I mean, final questions really for you at the end here, um, talking about all of this, are there like any regrets or little things that you wish you would have done differently or not taken, uh, as much time or taken more notes for the book previously and been thinking about it or, well, uh, I know it's a loaded question. Yeah,
1: it's it's hard to say. There there there, there are, are are regrets because at each point along the way, I kind of did the the did the next thing. The the book kind of went on hold for about ten years because I got increasingly involved in academic administration and sure. academic leadership. So there was a time when I could have been writing the book, but instead I was kind of running a department, and huh. it seemed like I couldn't do both or, you know, where I was re- also really involved in other composing and writing and creative endeavors. So it did, yeah. you know, for me to get around to, to writing the book really meant, you know, it, it happened because I was no longer doing academic administration and I kind of put some other creative projects on hold and I said, okay, now, now is the time. If I'm going to do it, I have to do it now as I, as I, you know, turn 60 and kind of move into this chapter of, uh, yeah, this particular chapter of, of my
0: life uh, so I might have done it sooner um, but uh, but it sounds like many of the events in your life that happened it happened when it needed to happen and when the opportunity what, that's presented itself think, yeah. yeah that's exceptional um, and it, I mean just talking about the book a little like I know we're kind of talking highbrow about like this tinkering system and um, you know, savvy and what that means, but can you tell um, listeners, you know, kind of what that means to you in a couple of sentences, and and what the system. You know what one takeaway or two takeaways should be um, sure. for looking into. Well, what what I found in in because I,
1: I taught uh, music theater performance you know year after year, uh, kind of like teaching the ABCs. You're teaching the same things to a new group of students. Yeah, and so with each successive group of students, I would think, well, what what is it that really matters? What is it that's important? What are, what are the the, the real building blocks of, of technique and the most important things that I can pass on to my students. So yeah. over that process of iteration year after year, it became clear to me that there were a couple of characteristics that the key, key characteristics that good singing acting had, that it was specific, that it was authentic, that it had variety and that it had intensity. Okay. Interestingly, when I when, when when I kind of hit on those four words the first time the first go round I called that visa variety intensity specificity and authenticity and I used to talk to my students about visa cards you uh-huh. need to get there you know and was, there, there was a whole bunch of bad puns about credit cards and value and so on uh, and I realized that if if, if I was going to stick with that that eventually I was going to run into trouble with trademarks sure and cover. so I so I ditched the visa cards but there are people who are students of mine who remember that chapter of the development and and I hit on savvy as the uh, acronym for like for that. So savvy is an acronym but it really is meant to be a shorthand for these four key attributes of effective singing, acting and then uh, the book as well as the the savvy cards that go with the book are really yeah. meant to help people practice the fundamental task that the singing actor needs to be good at which is the ability to create dramatic behavior while you sing and then organize that behavior in a way that recognizes that music is a very structured sort of experience as yeah. well. So creating behavior and structuring behavior, that's a lot of what the activities in the book are about and uh, and what the cards are meant to facilitate.
0: Yeah, and I know from, I mean, taking your class and I'm looking at the book and the cards They're freaking beautiful. I mean, they just look gorgeous. I know Um, Crystal had an awesome time, like, getting the photos taken and seeing all the, like, action verbs and expressions that you guys use in those. She had a blast, and she was like, I can't wait to see these. The production value is is great, and I'm sure that, um, you know, teachers and educators will use them for for years to come. Um, But, I I mean, having those things, um, like, S-A-V-I, right, as trees kind of – To go back to and reference to kind of put in invest uh, time in that structure and then Get a kind of flow state out of it I feel like matches up a lot of the other things that I I certainly studied in my time at uarts um, And continue to study putting in the work beforehand that Stanislavski idea of like structure will set you free putting in the work up front so that you get to that flow state and you can release into, I know exactly what I'm doing and Mm -hmm. where I'm looking and now I can just enjoy the results from enjoying the process I think is really important. And I think it's, you know, personally what helped me and what sets your method for singing, acting apart from so many others.
1: Well, it's been, it's gotten a great initial response. You know, we've, we've done a bunch of (laughs) workshops this summer, uh, introducing the cards, introducing the book, um, in high school settings, as well as uh, we we did a presentation in January at MTEA for for college educators, and the initial response has really been very uh, very enthusiastic. So I'm, so I'm excited to see these ideas uh, find a, a larger audience uh, around the, the country and and around the world.
0: Oh, and I'm sure they will. Does it feel weird at all to like have now exchange your worksheets and things for like the little cards, the you know professionally made book? Um, or does it feel natural, like, this is the next step now? No, it, it feels re- really exciting. Gratifying. Like, yeah. yeah. Then, you know, Now I'm
1: actually like, oh, well, we'll order the book for my textbook for the class now. Oh. You know?
0: it's, it's really kind of uh, astonishing to think that that moment is now here. Well, now you've done the work and you can enjoy the, uh, the results after that long process. Well, there's another chapter to the work I'm finding, which is now part of I mean part of what
1: we're doing here but it's yeah. talking about it and promoting yeah. it and and really uh, evangelizing for it so that's the next the next chapter of the work for me
0: Yeah well and speaking of I mean um friends uh listening in as always thanks for joining us here on Not So Famous and for the first ever episode of Masterclass with Charlie Gilbert um, you can find Charlie and his book and the cards at savvysingingactor.com that's S A V I singingactor.com and then on facebook at savvy system of singing acting and um keep an eye out for a new masterclass episode coming at you soon with charlie's wife a master in her own right the very own speech diva um but i i can't wait to see where this goes and and certainly what happens out of the book and everybody go and buy the book and rate it on amazon and write glowing reviews and tell charlie you love him on facebook uh, i couldn't have said that better myself mitchell thank you for that (laughs) absolutely everybody can use a a little tune-up um in their singing acting and in their speech uh, as a little preview for next episode um but thank you so much for I me mean, for joining this was such a blast and thanks for wanting to be on that's... oh sure thank you great questions and it was really fun to talk through that
1: whole that whole journey that's quite a journey i know it? does it feel weird thinking about it like oh I'm, I'm, it makes me feel good good no, not weird at all
0: good yeah certainly accomplished awesome well thank you so thank, much Charlie.
1: thank you mitchell